Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 237th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. How about you? Oh, I'm doing great. We're on cloud nine today. Yes. They did it. Missouri won an NCAA tournament game. Dennis Gates <laughs> solidifying this as the best um, Mizzou basketball season since joining the SEC. Yeah. Yeah, the drought is over. Yeah, it did hit me yesterday. This is the first, obviously, first tournament win in 13 years, but first tournament win as a member of the SEC. That's weird. That's kind of sad, but we can now put it behind us yeah. and not think about it anymore. Yep, that, that monkey is, is off our back. The page turned, yes. Um, yeah, we got, we just decided to hop back in here real quick and uh, talk about the fact that Missouri won this game. And not only that, but Princeton beat Arizona. So now there's a little bit of an expectation to maybe win another game that I wasn't expecting being there. Uh, before we get into all that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Leave us a review. You can also support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Pod. Kyle, we were feeling good about the Utah State game going into it. It didn't go it, – it was, it was weird. It was like yeah. the outcome yeah. was kind of what we thought was going to happen as far as like Missouri winning and it not being a nail-biter at the end. But the path to that finish was a little yeah. strange. Yeah. Uh, way less scoring than I think we thought. Um, and the way that the, that the team scored was totally different than I think either one of us thought. Um, but, yeah, it, it was yeah, it was kind of an ugly game, kind of a struggle. But uh, And there was a couple of scary moments in the second half where it felt like, uh, all right, Utah State's going, going on that inevitable run that we kind of felt like, at least I felt like, was coming the whole game. Um, but Missouri pulled it out. Yeah, Utah State shot 4 of 24 from 3. That's 17%. And obviously that was the scary part of their offense going into this game was their three-point shooting. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you mentioned sort of how we were feeling going into the second half was like, oh, we're only up 4, and Utah State has not made a 3 yet. So they're due for like 5 made 3s in the second half. Yeah, I mean, they averaged 9 three-pointers a game, and they were 0 for 11 at halftime so you know yeah just thinking like if they even hit their average they're they're gonna hit nine threes in the second half which obviously did not happen and didn't they didn't come close to that but um it felt like utah state could have played a lot better and i think uh maybe missouri was uh to credit for that but i i think we we maybe dodged a little bit of a bullet there just on on how well utah state played now maybe i'm crazy but i felt like Utah State was not getting as many just wide open looks as we have seen Missouri yeah. in SEC play. That's true. It did feel like Missouri was playing better defense, at least on the perimeter, which they clearly were making that a priority. Yeah. And uh, the two point defense suffered a right. little bit, and because Utah State was honestly um, kind of going to town there in the paint um, for most of the game, but I felt like that was the strategy that Missouri was willing to go with and just kind of we'll, we'll give you this almost as long as you're not making threes and, yeah. and it worked out kind of in the in the long run yeah I feel like uh, both teams kind of prioritized um, extending the defense out and pressuring the ball beyond the three-point line right which is not really something Missouri's done all year or very consistently at all so 
kind of crazy that you know i mean that's just good coaching and that's that's having older experienced players to kind of switch up what you're what you've been doing and and just in the, the in the tournament too it's just like all right we've got one shot to to play this new strategy and to do it well in a big moment so that was that was awesome and it, it looked like missouri's athleticism was giving utah state problems even in the half court defense it seemed like the rotations were sharp and um missouri's size on the perimeter caused some problems Mm -hmm. um there were multiple times where they were just letting kobe or um aiden shaw guard a couple of these guards and just um, basically be like we think our guys are athletic enough to keep you in front of them and if you decide to pull up you're gonna have a hand in your face yeah i think um i think you're right for sure that missouri's athleticism and length they they just close out faster than probably Utah State's used to in the Mountain West, which is, there's some good teams in the Mountain West, but I do it did just kind of feel like, which we thought that might happen, that Missouri's athleticism would take over. And I did notice that for sure, um, that, yeah, sometimes Aiden Shaw would just be like at the top of the key guarding like the point guard or whatever and um, honestly played pretty well, moved his feet and stayed in front of the guards. Yeah, uh, the announcer spotlighted a few times that matchup between, um, what's his name? ashworth Mm -hmm. and noah carter yeah and the first couple times he was able to get to the basket but i feel like it evened out a little bit now that was probably the best case scenario as far as like getting the switches to get a mismatch for utah state was to have their point guard uh, matched up against carter but I i thought he held his own he gave up a couple baskets but he wasn't letting his guy have room to make a three right yeah and I mean that's kind of been the case all season is Noah Carter has a little bit of a liability on defense but what he brings on offense is so valuable that he's, he's got to be out there and yeah I agree if if he's even playing decently on defense it's worth just having him out there because he's he's so good on offense uh <clears throat> Mountain West Conference before San Diego State won their opening round game against Charleston yesterday the Mountain West Conference was for their last 10 NCAA tournament games. Yeah. Nobody in the conference had won an NCAA tournament game since 2018. Yeah. And they went one, one and two yesterday. Utah State and Boise State lost, and San Diego State got the win. But And I think I saw Utah State is has lost their last 10 tournament games now. Jeez. So, yeah, kind of some, some terrors in the, in the tournament for, for that conference. Yeah, makes me uh... – I don't know. I wish I had that. That was like one stat that I didn't know going into the matchup. And looking back, it's like, oh yeah, these, these teams have struggled a little bit mm-hmm. in in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Um, I thought that the uh, there was a chance, like at the beginning of the game, uh, Missouri like turned over uh, Utah State a couple times. They looked kind of frantic, and it looked like, oh, this is happening. Like this is uh, Missouri was scoring well the first five minutes of the game and i thought we were about to see like i thought we were about to see them go for like 100 really missouri had like 23 points after like 10 minutes and Mm -hmm. i was like wow they're on pace for like 90 plus yeah i i was thinking that a little bit like man missouri could just run away with this thing but i also in the back of my mind was thinking about some of the comebacks that utah state has made this year i think they came back and won after being down 21 in a game earlier this year so i know that they i just felt like man they're they're not going to let this game slip away but um yeah that the beginning of the game for sure uh you know we we kind of spotlighted the the way uh that missouri could exploit utah state in the turnover battle uh last week 
kind of previewing the game, and I thought that was something that, that definitely um, kind of came to fruition for Missouri. Uh, Utah State had 14 turnovers, and it felt like Missouri was, was getting some runouts and stuff that we thought they might be able to do. Utah State did actually start to make a couple threes in the second half, and I'm trying to see here. They took the lead at 51-49 with 10 minutes left in the game, and Missouri's offense had looked a little bit stagnant, yeah. and it was kind of weird just watching both of these teams miss shots, yeah. like up and down the court, missing threes, and uh, it seemed like Missouri, what I'm always like screaming for when I'm watching these games at home is just get a paint touch and then everything goes well. Like a lot of times Golston or Carter or Kobe are scoring if they just get two feet in the paint, mm-hmm. but also it sucks the defense in and you can kick it out to wide open good shooters. It gives you options. And so the first 10 minutes of the second half, it was just like, man, we were running a lot of ISO. Uh, the ball was sticking too much and it just felt like we weren't uh, that was working to some extent, like, but having to start your ISO possession at the three point line, like you see Golston do this a lot. Kobe Brown doing this. some. yeah. Start kind of backing them down. Yeah. You're starting that ISO at the three point line and you have to eventually get to the rim. And there's only so many ways you can get there without, yeah. you know, picking up your dribble or committing an offensive foul or something. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. it just, uh, it works a lot better if you can just get established and receive the ball in the paint right and then you know that creates chaos for the defense right yeah there was a a point yeah right there probably halfway through the second half where it did feel the like the offense was stagnant um I felt like I was having kind of an emotional meltdown if you're in the discord you probably remember that point where um yeah exactly when we were just I felt like a lot of Sean East ISO he uh, was kind of doing that thing where he gets under the basket and kind of picks up his dribble and he's looking around and he doesn't even attempt a shot and then he, he like turned it over and it's like one play in particular yes. he passed it right to the Utah State guy yeah. and then I'm pretty sure that turned into a dunk yes. on the other end yes it did and I think I was I was losing my mind um, and I think Dennis Gates was too because after that point I felt like that was kind of like when the game uh, changed and he said like we got to stop doing whatever we're doing and I think also something kind of hit in Kobe's mind like it's time for me to to take over this game because there was a moment where Kobe kind of made a play and it kind of just felt like okay I, I think everybody just knows this is Kobe time I think all the fans knew it watching on TV I think Kobe knew it himself and after that point he was just money mm, yeah that stretch there he I think went on a little 8-0 run by himself yep made a couple threes, stepped back, uh, he got to the rim. I can't remember if this was part of that run or not, but there was one play in particular where he, like, drove past his man and then did, and, like, reverse dunked from under the basket with two hands. Yeah. And he just made that look so easy. It was like, yeah, he kind of drove in, defender kind of stayed with him, so he kind of looked like he was kind of going to drift back out towards the perimeter, but then just went back in real quickly and the defender wasn't ready for it. And so, yeah, just reverse dunked it. But, yeah, Kobe was was the story of the game for sure. And it kind of felt like if you give Kobe 40 minutes to do what he does, he's going to figure it out eventually. He kind of had a quiet first half, but in the second half, he, he really blew up and kind of just took over. Yeah, so that stretch there was part of an overall 13-2 run for Missouri. Um, Des Moines Hodge, we got to talk about him too. I mean, 
for everything that Kobe does, they just complement each other so well. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a play where Kobe got the rebound and he threw it the length of the court and Hodge caught the ball literally like three feet from the basket. Mm-hmm. And I think it ended up being goaltending, but yeah. laid it up. And there was just so many plays in a short stretch there on that Mizzou run where, you know, they just looked like the superior team, athletically making shots, defending. And then you look up and they were up by 11 mm-hmm. all of a sudden. You're like, okay, yep, we're up 11 with like five minutes left. Right. I think I'm feeling pretty good about this. Yeah, I think, you know, at times this season, throughout the year, we've talked about just kind of all of the different threats that can um, score on any given night and just the kind of the, the contributions that we've seen from everybody. But really, as we've gone down the stretch, in some of these important games down, you know, as the year's gone on, I really just feel like it's kind of turned into Kobe Brown and Demoy Hodge um, kind of leading the team. And it does just kind of feel like in the darkest moments when we really need them the most, those are the two guys that are always there and kind of seem to pull us out of any any doubt. And, you know, Missouri's 8-0 in games that are decided by five or less points. Um, and yesterday almost kind of felt like that, where it was like kind of coming out of the wire and then it just really wasn't close there at the end because those guys just turned it on when they needed to yeah you mentioned utah state turned the ball over 15 times um missouri did a good job defending without fouling only sent utah state to the line eight times and uh ashworth and funk combined for all of their three-point makes bless you uh that's a tradition now (laughs) um ashworth and funk four for 20 obviously the team four for 24 so yeah man it just felt like at any moment that one of those guys was going to get hot but also watching ashworth out there he didn't look like a threat because missouri's i don't i don't think of missouri as having like big guards this year really i mean it seems like just normal at least when you're talking about east and honor but missouri's defense just wasn't giving him open looks yeah the, the few, like, clean shots that he got off were, like, a couple of them were, like, five feet behind the three-point line. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of got broke loose. Uh, he kind of broke loose and got a couple of layups a couple of times. But consistently, yeah, he, he, he was trying. You yeah. could tell. He was, like, frantic almost at times trying to trying to get an open shot. But it just wasn't going down. And I felt like, uh, I guess it's, it's pronounced um, Akin. Um, he... I think maybe, I don't know, if I was listening too much to, like, the Mountain West uh, coaches, uh, like, sort of hyping him up, but he had the athleticism and the size that I was expecting, Mm -hmm. and what I've seen in their conference games, it makes sense that he was able to just kind of dominate from time to time and go on stretches where he is a force on on the defensive end, Mm -hmm. but just seeing a similar size player in Kobe Brown who just has a next level of offensive skill right it just made me i don't know just made he's, me so happy he's just a guy in yeah, yeah. in the sec basically yes, exactly yeah. yeah good player for sure definitely um a, a good player but we've we've played good players all season long and anyway, i think we, we were ready for that and i think that's what felt so good about this game was like yeah i mean man you you talk to people in the mountain west conference uh you know i think dave matter wrote an article where he was kind of talking to anonymous coaches in that conference and I mean, man, it felt like we were gearing up to play an NBA team or something, just the way 
that um, Utah State was was being talked about by you know some of the their peers or their the teams that they play, and um, you know it just kind of felt like all right let's just let's just view this rationally. Missouri plays good good teams all year long. What 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 is unique about Utah State that we haven't that we haven't already seen, and uh, what's uh, what are they going to bring to the table that Dennis isn't ready for and. I'm glad that we uh, didn't get too scared about of all the hype that seemed to be going on, um, kind of leading up to the game. And um, you know, Missouri has kind of been underrated all year. I feel like, and they kind of just did what they do and uh, took care of business. Yeah, um, you said something there, Sparks, but I'm already like my gears are the gears are turning in my head. I'm thinking about Princeton. <laughs> I'm thinking about uh, what we can do there. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I watched the first half of that game, and then I was like frantically catching up when uh discord was popping off like is princeton about to do this yeah and uh in the first half i was like uh this looks like arizona's game to lose Mm -hmm. i mean they had the size advantage and uh courtney ramey was not scoring but he was doing all the little things getting steals um finding the open man and then uh princeton just the last like 10 minutes of the game they just looked like the better team yeah yeah arizona looked terrible (laughs) I really I watched like you said I watched the beginning, and then I kind of watched the end. And uh, man, I almost started thinking like even if we have to play Arizona, like this version of Arizona is not going to beat Missouri, and uh, they looked a lot more fallible than I was expecting. Uh, but we don't even have to worry about that. Yeah, I was thinking, um, oh no, Arizona got their bad game mm-hmm. out of their system, and now they're just gonna destroy us. Yeah, but they were bad enough to where they aren't going to have the opportunity yeah it just yeah it felt like they just kept getting opportunity to to just win the game and they i don't know they just down the stretch they could not score and uh yeah what is that probably last game for courtney ramey's career yeah yeah he's out of eligibility um yeah they're gonna have a probably pretty significant roster turnover uh, with some guys going pro and uh running out of eligibility but uh, Arizona shot 51% from two, 19% from three, and only went to the free throw line seven times. Princeton shot 56% from two, 16% from three, and only went to the free throw line five times. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously nothing about Princeton from that game really scares you. They, they did play well on defense. They had six blocks. They rebounded well. Um so they, I, you know, they're gonna, you're gonna get their best effort, but offensively, there's just not much about Princeton that that really scares you. Yeah, four of twenty-five from three, which is almost exactly what Utah State did yesterday. Yeah, I mean, the I'm thinking like, just run it back with the exact same game plan if you're Missouri, because if you like Princeton's got some size, uh, that was actually uh, they had strangely matched up well with Arizona's size um, so that does make me a little bit nervous because Missouri's just not a big team down low I think probably we'll see more uh, Muhammad Diara in this game uh, he only played like five minutes mm-hmm. and was not very effective yeah, so they just got him out of there got the ball stolen from him and just got pulled yeah um, but maybe an opportunity for him against uh, less athletic bigs with Princeton um, although um, their one guy that scored in double figures, he was doing whatever he wanted against Arizona and kind of making these like NBA caliber bigs that, well, 
you know, the guys that we thought were like next level players, he kind of just made them look silly and like unathletic all game. You're going to attempt his name? No, you wrote it down, so I'm going to let you do it. That's uh, Tosan Awama. Yeah, that's him. For for Princeton. Yeah, he. I mean, he's legitimately a, a really good player and has been their best player all season. Um, but again, it's like one of those things where, you know, Missouri's Missouri's played good good players all year. They've they they watched the tape from yesterday and I think they'll they'll have a plan for him. Yeah, uh, Princeton doesn't have any players that attempted like their biggest uh, three-point threats attempted 170 and 105 threes on the season. One player shooting over 40% Matt Alaco. So they're not like a three-point shooting threat really. They actually shoot probably too many threes for their percentages, but I don't know. Yeah, nothing offensively looks like a threat except for the one guy, and he kind of like brings up their two-point scoring percentage quite a bit. Uh, they also have Keyshawn Kelman, who is a, another post player. Doesn't play a ton of minutes, but when he does, when he's in there, they're looking to get him the ball in the paint. Mm-hmm. So... Missouri offensively I feel like it's just you gotta let Kobe do his thing mm-hmm. I mean the, the the blueprint I, I really think you just run it back do the exact same thing obviously yeah. that won the game but Missouri's offense is gonna get enough looks to be effective they I feel like it's gonna look similar to the Utah State game where probably both teams uh, don't shoot from three very well but I bet Missouri wakes up starts making threes get Hodge going get Kobe the ball in the paint he's going to open things up for Carter and Golston Mm -hmm. Golston had a pretty quiet game offensively made some plays but uh, was inefficient Mm -hmm. so maybe he gets a little bit of a bounce back yesterday for Princeton really low possession game against Arizona Uh, what I mean what tempo do they typically play at you got that pulled up 180 180th pretty standard yeah right in the middle basically yeah, I I think uh, I felt like the game didn't go as as quickly of a pace yesterday for Missouri Utah State. I thought that was like a lower possession game than I was expecting. I think Missouri uh, could try and, and spin them up a little bit tomorrow. Uh, yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, against Princeton, I think they could try and play a little faster pace than they than they did yesterday, and it could work out for them. Um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, same game plan. This is a team that you're more athletic than, you're more talented than. Um, just be who you've been all year on offense. Let your let your good players do what they do, and on defense, yeah. I mean, you just, you got to stop uh, Awama, and yeah. I mean that's that's the key to the game. Uh, Princeton uh, does not turn you over. Uh, one of the worst teams in the country at generating steals and turnovers, um, but they don't give you very many second chances. Uh, they don't allow offensive rebounds. That's fine. We weren't going to get them anyway. Right. So yeah, uh, you can just. Abandon, uh, abandon all hope for an offensive rebound, but then uh, don't turn the ball over. Get a good look first time down, mm-hmm. and we'll be fine. Um, do you feel any? Uh, obviously, we're we're talking about a we're talking about a 15 seed here. Um, we this is an opportunity to exercise some demons. That's true. If you've watched Missouri basketball for any length of time, you probably know what I'm talking about here. Uh, is there any pressure to 
to win this game now that you're in 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 the in that spot with that opportunity? Yeah, I think there is, but it's almost like a welcome pressure. I feel like mm-hmm. it's 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 less pressure. It's more like an opportunity. Yeah. I think. I think I'm not too scared of it because there's only been a few times where a 15 seed has like actually made some noise yeah, in the like, tournament. Like probability wise, we're still talking about like extremely low chance that Princeton wins two games in a row here. Right. So, um, yeah. And actually, yeah, obviously when you're talking about a 15 seed, you're talking, you're thinking of 2012 and what happened in 2012 was Florida was the recipient of basically a, a, a walk in the park to the sweet 16 mm-hmm. um when uh when norfolk state moved on yes to the second round yeah so i feel like i mean if you're the seven seed or like a 10 seed that pulls off the upset you are rooting so hard for the two seed to go down and then you want and then you can basically take their path to the final four yeah so um yeah i mean let me i'm pulling up uh, florida from 2012 I, I feel like i remember it was a blowout yeah so they had uh freshman bradley beal and uh they beat norfolk state 84 to 50 and then yeah. went on to beat marquette and end up in the elite eight yeah i think it is one of those things where it's like in that first round like nerves are probably high the just the hype of being in the tournament uh and yeah i mean the pressure of being a two seed a a spot that missouri hadn't really been in a whole lot obviously uh you know back in 2012 um i think that that first round game is just it is just different enough to where you you play that 15 seed in the second round when you already know what they're capable of you got you got that film from from two days ago um i just i don't think that that nervous pressure is there as as much as it would be in the first round now that missouri kind of has the monkey off their back that they they won that first tournament game um that they you know in 13 years they got that out of the way i I don't i just i'm not i'm not that nervous about it i think we're going to be fine now um maybe to introduce a little bit of caution here princeton is going to be thinking the same way like they won they beat the two seed they did you know yeah they got nothing to lose yeah exactly so now maybe i feel like that that still benefits missouri more than it benefits princeton because missouri is thinking they've had the mindset all year of we can beat anybody and um maybe princeton now feels that because they beat arizona but from the like trying to have like a rational take as a fan base i feel like if you're a fan of princeton you're thinking hey we're happy you know this is incredible like we did this we made it out of the first round and uh yeah, I like the opportunity for Missouri. I think um, if it weren't for this game, like I feel like it's going to go exactly like the Utah State game went. That's not what I how I expected the Utah State game to go. But I feel like both of these teams are going to, uh, Princeton and Missouri are both going to try to pound the ball inside. And Missouri's going to do enough with takeaways and three-point shooting to put us over the top. I think Missouri wins like 83 to 70. Yeah. Um, when we've talked about it all year, Missouri has not lost a game outside of quad one. I don't think that begins tomorrow against Princeton. I think they I think they know how to take care of teams that they're better than. They've done that all year. I think they'll keep doing it. So I think, uh, yeah, I think 
Give me like, yeah, 80 to 70, Missouri. Do we know a time for this game yet? Uh, 5.10 Central Time on okay. Saturday. Nice. Okay. Basically, primetime matchup. Primetime matchup. Mm-hmm. I don't know what channel it's on. TNT, TNT, according to Ken Pomeroy. Ken Pomeroy. Man. Man, he's getting, he's getting blasted. <laughs> yes. I love it. Uh, it's I, like this thing where it's like I simultaneously like think it's hilarious that Kim Palm's just getting destroyed and also I love Kim Palm and we use his product every single episode because yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. But you do have to kind of just take it for what it is. Yeah, it's hilarious. Like I mean, he just seeing the and we've talked about it so many times, but looking at the defensive metrics column for Missouri just like yeah what are you supposed to do with that yeah so it's gonna have some weird outcomes and i feel like he would even tell you that yeah like it's like yeah this team kind of broke my system i don't know what to tell you it's just an input yeah um let's go to the sweet 16 how's that sound i would love to do that who's out there who's out there for sweet 16 matchup they would most likely play baylor or baylor yeah Baylor's a three seed, but Creighton's the six seed that could that could uh, that could get there. But Baylor, I mean, uh, Creighton has not even played a game yet. They play today mm. in their first round game, so they have to play whoever the eleven mm, seed NC is there. State. NC State, yeah. And Baylor plays UC Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. But we got to get through Princeton first. Gotta I think we can Princeton. do it. I think we can do it. I I genuinely have a good feeling. So I don't know if that's bad or not. Hey. Two for two, good feelings, on, and wins. I'll take it. Uh, anything else before we head out of here? Just a, just a quick, just a short little episode, just to recap and uh, get excited for this Princeton game. Yeah, I mean, uh, just generally the tournament. I thought the pretty good tournament day yesterday. Like the the first half of the day was incredible. With like obviously Missouri winning the the Furman buzzle, buzzer beater. Mm-hmm. Um, some fun games yesterday. I felt like some of the night games were were blowouts. Texas A and M got the got the doors blown off by Penn yeah. State. Penn State looks really good. They, that mm-hmm. Penn State was the ten seed that I did not want to play, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that we that we did not draw them because they looked really good. Um, man, historically it feels like Arizona and Virginia, yeah, get uh get knocked off early, and those are the two teams that went down yesterday. I feel like another one to put out there that. They're not going to lose their first round game, I'm sure. But Purdue, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I lump them in my head with those other programs of like, yeah, you've been a top seed lots of times and you haven't done anything with it. Yeah, I don't think that. I think that will continue on this year. I'm I'm not real scared of Purdue. Somebody's going to knock them off. Marcus Sasser apparently re-aggravated his injury yesterday against a 16 seed. So who knows what's going to happen there? I don't think Houston makes it very far without him. So yeah. A lot of chaos yet to come, I think. Yeah, it's already been a fun tournament. It's going to continue. The uh, the weekend games, I'm excited for. Mm-hmm. Take us there, Dennis. Take us. Sweet 16, here we come, hopefully. Uh, special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Groffalo, Brandon Hanks, and Matthew Tilly. Thank you. Thank you very much, gentlemen. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, or on Twitter at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. See you next week. Thank you for listening. See you next week after a win. Mm.